Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. Well, God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding. His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life. It's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious. Think well. Advance good. This is Q. Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. I'm Paul Perot from Faith Radio. Gabe will join us shortly. Whether you're scanning through a fashion magazine or looking at interior design websites, you're likely on a quest, a quest for beauty. But deeper than that, there's often hidden quests. Quests for having an ideal appearance or having ideal surroundings. Quests for significance and belonging. Often these quests can lead to certain dead ends or lead to a deeper reality. We're going to look at this from a couple of different angles today on the show. First up, let's listen to Tim Chaddock. Tim pastors Reality L.A. Church. He serves near Hollywood where physical beauty seems to be everything. But the quest for beauty can lead to deeper questions and opportunities to find true beauty. Let's listen. What is at stake? When it comes to the quest for beauty, success, and recognition. As a pastor here in L.A., I come face to face with this, with the harsh reality of this pursuit almost every day. The woman who came to me in tears because she didn't get on glee because all the other candidates stood out more. The frustrated guy I know who gained recognition for his musical talents and yet the and now is in danger of losing his record deal. I see the constant frustration and anxiety that stems from unmet expectations in a culture that promises so much. The truth is all of us have this sense of oughtness. Things ought to be like this. Or it ought to be like that. Especially in this city. L.A., as was mentioned earlier, is the place of second acts, new births, messiahs, metamorphoses. We come here desiring transformation. And for many people, it's become synonymous with success and fame. This summer, taking my family on a trip uh, overseas, taking them abroad, and my eight-year-old daughter, she's she's so cute. She's amazing. It has nothing to do with this <clears throat> talk, but she expressed some concern about the trip to her Sunday school teacher last Sunday. And her Sunday school teacher said, well, why are you so concerned about this trip? She said, well, you know, I'm going to go overseas. They're going to hear that I'm from L.A. They're going to think I'm famous. And then I got to tell them, no, I'm not famous. And wow, my, my daughter is growing up in this world where we expect this, this transformation, this, this epic rise. And driving so much of this is what journalist and cultural historian Neil Gabler called the new American dream. The old American dream is about seizing opportunity. But the new American dream is about realizing perfection, which is why we have to have perfect skin. I don't know what that means, but apparently we need to have it. Perfect abs. My daughter looks at the magazine cover and says, why do we need perfect abs? Like, I don't know, and I'd probably be the last person that could actually tell you. It's the search 
for the perfect you. So we look to L.A. with all of its endless options, but it also comes with endless opinions, all of which never satisfies. Because what we're doing is trying to recreate a secular Garden of Eden, but God is out of the picture or is seen as a mere stagehand in the story of you. But we see that these things that we pursue like crazy, the in and of themselves separated from this this larger story, they're transient, they're fleeting, sometimes absurd. It's, to use the classic word, vanity. We know we need to go beneath the surface, but we don't know if we can. How does the gospel challenge vanity in the 21st century? I propose to you that it starts by asking very hard questions. In fact, I believe one of the reasons that many people aren't listening to the Christian church is because many Christ followers have not wrestled with the hard questions themselves in their own lives in their own communities. Without asking the hard questions, Jesus can be perceived as another optional extra or another commodity we add to our lives in order to reach our vision of perfection. But what if our vision is completely off? What if its very basis is meaninglessness? This is what Dimitri Hamlin wondered when he wrote for the Huffington Post recently, a great article, he said, is that all there is, is the question my generation is asking of a world that seems increasingly meaningless despite our outward progress and technological development? Is this all there is? But of course, this question's been asked before. In a fascinating book buried in the Old Testament, one of my favorite books in the Bible, Ecclesiastes is the preacher's story. An ancient skeptic in Israel, who some believe to be the great King Solomon, the man who had it all, knew it all, seen it all, and did it all. And so in one sense, Ecclesiastes is everybody's story. Because we, like him, are all looking under the sun. That's the phrase that that he uses to summarize everything he sees in the observable world. All the things that we're taking in through media and and through our, our circles of friends. Looking under the sun to find meaning. Like him, we're looking for meaning in the mirror, on the scale, and in the sheets. But the preacher of Ecclesiastes, and this book is so important for the church, and it's so important for a city like ours, because the preacher helps us ask the questions we're afraid to ask, but ones that we must ask about our lives if we are to go beyond vanity. And it is time for the church to start asking these questions as well. What do you really expect out of life? And where did those expectations come from? Who told you your eyebrow, your right eyebrow had to be like one centimeter higher or or lower or in perfect symmetry like the other? Who told you that? Where did these expectations come from? And what if they were wrong? We must question what we really gain in the end. When we add it all up, what do we really gain? What does a city like L.A. have to offer the age and tanking economies and even the grave can't destroy? We need to ask these hard questions because they cause us to dig deeper than we ever have before, really evaluating 
if a life lived solely for appearance or solely for accolade is what really matters. The preacher's conclusion is famous. All is vanity. But don't write him off as a cynic. He wants to enjoy life, but he won't settle for superficial answers, and neither should we. He teaches us this sacred skepticism that calls us to doubt life under the sun. And the good news is that coming to the end of our expectations means that we're actually on the brink of true beauty, peace, and joy. And here's why. Because these hard questions help us look beyond a life under the sun and paves the way for another preacher king. One who asks the hardest questions of all, but gives the greatest answer the world has ever known. Jesus, the grand subject of the whole Bible, the savior of mankind, the true source of meaning and substance. It is not so much our hunger for beauty and for perfection that's wrong. It's that we're looking for them in all the wrong ways. Through his life, death, and resurrection, he offers us his beauty as a gift unearned as a gift that does not fade and a purpose that not even death can destroy. And that is good news. And it is only here that we can have a vision of life that is neither naive nor cynical, but instead realistic and hopeful. If we are going to help men and women look above the sun, the church needs to reclaim its role as holy provocateur not being afraid to ask the hard questions for they lead us to what can only come from beyond ourselves, beyond the sun, for until we understand that nothing matters without Jesus, we won't understand that everything matters because of Jesus. Anything else is vanity. Thank you. That was Tim Chaddock on Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Gabe joins us now to introduce another talk. We're looking at beauty on the show. We looked at physical beauty with Tim. But Gabe, let's talk about beauty in our homes. We're not talking about how do we create a beautiful home, although that's always nice. But we're talking about how we actually find home. Because there's a longing in, I think, each of our hearts towards home. And, and lots of authors have written about this that just deep in our deep in our soul, there's a longing to feel at home, but that many times... On this earth, we don't ever feel it, and we do all kinds of things to try to create it, whether it's in our possessions or our atmosphere or the environments that we try to choose to be in, but something seems to still be left short. You're going to actually hear a nine-minute talk by author and designer Trina McNeely, and Trina is someone who for many, many years has been creating amazing designs. She styles locations. She's done a lot in the furniture business, working with Land of Nod. The New York Times has featured her work. Um, but right now she's, she's doing the work of writing about how she has found beauty in every day of her life that goes way beyond just what she can style or decorate or create, but actually has become part of her perspective. And we think this would be a good thing for us to think about this week as you're listening to this talk, just considering what are some of those things we do to distract ourselves from the feelings that we sometimes have that we don't quite feel at home. But then also, how do we start to gain perspective on how we can see beauty in a lot of things that maybe others wouldn't find as beautiful, but especially as somebody who's trying to follow Jesus, we could find beautiful. 
You've probably heard the saying, the good, the true, and the beautiful. And what I love about the good, the true, and the beautiful is that you can't have one of those without the others. So you can have something that's good only if it's also true and beautiful. And you can have something beautiful, but if it's not actually good and it's not really true or telling a true story, then it's truly not beautiful. And so in our world today, there's a lot of things that others might say, well, that's beautiful or I love the way that looks. But when you really dig beneath the surface, you realize it's not true. And so what I love about this talk and what we're going to get to focus on listening to Trina is just helping us be reminded of where we find true beauty and how in finding that true beauty, we actually can find things that are true and things that are good. Let's listen in now to Trina McNeely on Finding Beauty. My parents were not supposed to divorce. In the third grade, they separated when I was in the third grade. <laughs> but then they made a decision, a thought-out decision to work things out, to stay together, to be a family, and their marriage was restored. Life went on. It was not perfect. There was certainly dysfunction. But they really gave my siblings and I a strong sense of identity and security. It was so strong that for 25 years, I wrapped myself up in that security and I let it become my identity. 25 years later, around the age of 33, while I was living in my childhood home, not with my parents, my husband and I, and at the time, two children, bought the house, moved in, and started to make it our own. And at that point, my parents announced that they were divorcing after nearly 40 years of marriage. I never thought that somebody else's breakup and heartbreak could break your heart, but it broke mine. I was devastated, and it was a seven-year-long divorce process that really devastated my family of origin, and it completely unraveled me. I wonder if you've ever been surrounded by some form of beauty and just not able to notice it. Maybe standing uh, before mountains or your child's beautiful smile. I have. And it was because of pain. Sometimes our circumstances blind us to what is right before us. Every day we're gifted with some form of beauty. We just don't always see it. We all long for beauty. And I'm not referencing the misguided definition of beauty that is all the time splattered across our shiny screens, the kind that's slick, photoshopped, frivolous, and fading. That definition is synonymous with striving. The beauty that we long for that I want to talk about is real and glorious. It's authentic and tangible. It's brilliant and lovely. It is original and eternal. This definition of beauty is synonymous with rest and receiving. Why the longing? Why is there a longing? We have a longing within us because beauty was at the beginning. God is beauty. And he created it and gave it to us in the garden. Every detail, every color, every texture, every sight, every sound was beautiful. So much was lost after the garden but what was not lost was our longing because we long for life as it was supposed to be. I wonder how life was supposed to be for you. A husband, a home, two children, a successful career, 
financial stability, a happy family, a beautiful life. It wasn't supposed to be that my family was going to break up when grandchildren were around. These were the years that we were supposed to enjoy being together. Grandkids, family vacations, traditions, generations doing life together. In my heart, I knew in the very deep places how life was supposed to be, how God intended it to be, how he created it to be, which was whole. When Adam and Eve left the garden, what they were confronted with on the other side was pain. But they carried with them still the longing, because the longing is inherent. And so here we are in this broken world, and all of us have unique stories that are so individual and so different, and yet we all face at some point in our life pain. Sometimes it's very physical and sometimes it's emotional. Both are extreme and valid. But I believe there's a tension between beauty and pain. One began within the garden, and the other was found outside of it. In my pain, I felt completely paralyzed, and I felt that God was far from me. It was a foreign feeling because I grew up in the church and spent all of my time in the church. And um, I wondered, how could God be so far from me? How could he feel far if he makes his home in my heart? And what I found when my heart broke, when it split wide open, was ugly things, not beautiful things. Anger, bitterness, jealousy, resentment, all of those types of ugly things bubbled up out of my heart. And I wondered, I began to ask, how can God make his home in that What I encountered was a God who had not left me, but who was very near. Psalms 34 tells us that God is close to the brokenhearted. And so what I found was that my brokenness, it didn't repel God from me. It didn't keep beauty from me. It doesn't, brokenness doesn't take beauty from us. It actually draws beauty to us. If your heart is broken, you will find God right there. Psalm 34 tells us it goes on then in the chapter to say who out there has a lust. Another definition would be a longing for life. Can't wait each day to come upon beauty. When we're in pain, it's hard to, to look around and think, oh, where's the beauty? It's hard to see because pain gives us the chance to close our eyes and to live with eyes shut. All of the color can go right out. From the beginning, the enemy of our soul, Satan, has been getting us to see and notice what we don't have, what is wrong, to notice all that is wrong. But God, in his goodness, is asking us to see the gifts that we've been given and to notice all of the beauty. I like a word that's kind of old. Um, It's called behold. And um, it's kind of a majestic word. And I, I believe that God wants us to begin to behold beauty because he is sheer beauty. Psalms 105 tells us, loyal always and ever. The etymology for behold in many languages comes to the word keep. And so to behold is to keep and remember. When we learn to find beauty in our brokenness, In broken times, we keep and remember the goodness of God. The art of finding beauty 
in our broken times is simply noticing. It's paying attention. There's a word, I might not say it right, it's French, flanerie, um, that I found several years ago, and I kind of attached to it so much I washi taped it above my bed, uh, which is strange because the definition is described as walking slowly, without a hurry, sauntering. Often it was pegged with wasting time. But the flaneur didn't see it as a waste of time. They saw it as a way to look and notice all of the little curiosities in life. In fact, in the 1800s in Paris, it became fashionable to walk with a pet turtle, to slow down your pace and to notice the beauty that was all around. So I took that little story, strange as it may be, and really tried to notice and to pay attention to the gifts that were given while all of the other, the big thing felt like a taking a loss. There was so much that had been given. So for me, paying attention and noticing is really quite simple. It looks like some days noticing the colors in my laundry pile, which is big and huge with four kids and sometimes rather stinky with three boys. But I try to pay attention to the colors of the stripes and the socks as basic as it sounds. Some days it's noticing the pattern of the freckles on my six-year-old's face. It's feeling the cool sheets on my bed after they've been changed and washed. It's hearing the crescendo in my daughter's laugh that is very loud. (laughs) And it's standing still to notice a sunset on a really frigid Chicago February day. (laughs) These everyday gestures are an answer to our ache. They remind us of hope and that God is wanting to redeem all that was lost. It's not easy to notice when we are in the midst of pain. But I want to share this verse with you that I actually just came across the other day. It's in the Passion Translation, um, which has added extreme beauty to my life. Such amazing mysteries found within every single miracle that nearly everyone seems to miss. Those with no discernment can never really discover the deep and glorious secrets hidden in your ways. But I want to tell you, lovely, lovely ladies, that you are not everyone. You are a daughter of God. You're a daughter of beauty himself, the creator who made all things and called them good. You are a daughter with the garden in your heart and eyes that are able to see the glory in all things and in each and every day. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening to Trina. If you want to watch that talk, you can always do that online at qideas.org. And I also want to invite you to our biggest event of the year that's happening all around the world. It's happening in your own city, or it could even be happening in your home. It's called Q Commons. And if you go to qcommons.com, that's just the letter Q and then the word commons, C-O-M-M-O-N-S.com, on the night of October 25th. This is what's so fascinating. Coming together in homes, coming together in churches, sometimes coming together even in civic locations or in museums, People are going to come together for one evening focused on the theme called the power of we. 
That's right, the power of we, W-E. It's not just about me, it's not just about you, it's about us together. And what can we do together when we start to work together, when we hear the best ideas, when we don't just kind of remove ourselves from the dialogue or the conversations, but we actually walk into it. What could possibly happen? And so on this night at Q Commons in your city, I want you to go look up, see if there's one right there in your city, because if there is, we want you to participate there. We want you to show up live with other people sitting at tables, sitting in rows next to you, hearing talks that we're going to broadcast from Bob Goff, New York Times bestselling author, a guy named Scott Harrison. Maybe you've heard of Charity Water, one of the greatest nonprofits in existence today, doing some amazing work with incredible impact, but also shifting the way people think about the nonprofit realm. And then in addition to that, Joe Saxton, who's going to be talking really about the understanding of hospitality. And so even as Trina was describing what it means to think about home and finding beauty in the everyday, we're creating an evening for you to find beauty in other people around you, in your community, in new relationships, and to inspire us, people who care about the common good, care about making a difference, not just sitting back and critiquing the things that we see wrong in our world, but those who want to like do something about it, roll up their sleeves and dig into some of the difficult conversations, but also be exposed to the great opportunities happening in your city. So I want to encourage you to come out, invest this evening. There's plenty of other things you can do on other nights. You can go to movies, you can go have a great dinner, but one night a year, people will come together for this moment and you'll be joined with tens of thousands of people around the world who care about what it means for Christians to show up in the world with love, with hospitality, and with goodness. Now, if there's not one in your city, you'll also notice at qcommons.com, there is the opportunity for you to actually host this in your home. And so what a great way for you to invite people in, for you to be a hospitable host and bring a few friends around. Maybe it's somebody from your church. Maybe it's a new neighbor that you just met recently or somebody you haven't gotten to know that well to say, hey, come over for dinner tonight or come over for appetizers. And we're going to like listen in on this thing and have a conversation with one another about some issues that they're just naturally not going to come up probably at the next neighborhood barbecue. But in this situation, they could come up. So we invite you to lead in that way. If you're listening to this podcast, you're someone who's thinking this way. You're probably looking for ways to engage more practically. Well, we've tried to serve up one that there's just no way to deny how practical and simple this evening can be as you lead in your community. So check that out at qcommons.com. Well, I hope you have a wonderful week. We hope you'll join us at Q Commons where we can all connect. We can finally be face-to-face with some others listening to this podcast from around the world, and we can be a part of exposing the world to what it looks like for us to work together and do good. Until next time, I'm Gabe Lyons, and we'll look forward to talking on the next podcast. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.